Thanks for joining us and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we'll bring you true stories of angelic encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. again and welcome back. Today we have a very special program. They're highlighting four different near-death experiences which I think you'll find very inspiring. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to start now with the near-death experience of Don Piper. Don Piper was relieved that the pastor's conference he had been attending finished a little early on that Wednesday in January of 1989. As associate pastor and just appointed minister of education at a Houston area church, he was a busy man. I was thinking about that night and also that I was going to be preaching the next Sunday morning in three services. Within minutes of leaving the retreat center, Don drove onto a bridge spanning a lake. Before I exited the other end, a, uh, a, a tractor-trailer truck owned by the... Uh, the Texas Department of Corrections uh, crossed the center stripe and hit my, uh, my car uh, head on. Um, I was instantly transported to uh, Heaven's Gate. I did not see a single person that I did not know. They were uh, relatives. They were friends who had died in high school. Uh, they were teachers. Uh, they were people that I had seen and known all my life who had uh, gone to glory. Uh, they were smiling, they were embracing me, uh, they were welcoming me, uh, they were in the process of taking me uh, in through the gate of heaven. Looking over the heads of his friends, Don saw a looming pearl gate. The gate of heaven was a magnificent uh, edifice, the one that I saw. Um, it looked no less than, uh, uh, than a giant... Uh, a giant gate that looked like it had been sculpted uh, from mother of pearl. In all honesty, as awesome as the, the sight was, the sound was even more amazing. Uh, I heard literally thousands of praise songs. They were all praise songs. and I couldn't really see anything. I was so preoccupied with the people around me. Couldn't really see anything, but you could sense this hum of wings just kind of hovering all about you as if you were being ministered to by angels uh, and that they were observing this whole episode. While Don stood at the I gates of heaven, this man stood on a Texas highway by Don's lifeless body. Pastor Dick Onorecker of Klein, Texas, had also attended the pastor's conference and came upon the accident moments after it happened. EMS personnel told Dick that Don was dead. Very candidly, I, it was as though I was compelled uh, to stop and to pray for him. The Lord just impressed on me uh, very emphatically, very urgently that I was to pray for him. And I walked over by the door. Um, great physical damage on, on the outside. Um, and I laid my hands on him and began to pray for him. As suddenly as his journey began, it ended. 
Don found himself back in his crushed vehicle, staring up at a tarp thrown over him by medical attendants. First conscious memory was, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I was singing, and I'm thinking to myself, why am I singing this song? Yeah, I'm in the dark. Uh, I knew it was about noontime when the accident happened. I'm in the dark. I'm singing, and I'm holding a hand. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth has happened? Dick had begun singing hymns to Don. The Lord impressed on me not only to pray for him, but that there be no internal injuries and there be no head injuries. Um, and then we began to, I began to sing, and all of a sudden I heard him singing with me. The prayers and love of family and friends pulled Don through four intensive months of therapy, numerous operations, and infections which on two occasions almost claimed his life. I like to say that I was brought back by popular demand. Uh, people prayed me back from, uh, from the gates of heaven. People prayed me back from death's door. Uh, I am here because people ask God for me to be here. There was so much wreckage pushed in on us that we just couldn't move. Tracy was literally trapped by the, the engine and everything else had collapsed in on her. I looked at my husband and he reached over to try to unbuckle my seatbelt and then whoosh, he started on fire. I tried getting to him, but I couldn't move. I was trapped. On the night of their fourth anniversary, Dan and Tracy Stadler were fighting for their lives inside their crushed and burning car. They had been hit head-on by a drunk driver who was going the wrong way down the interstate. The driver of the other vehicle was dead. Dan and Tracy were trapped and badly injured. The whole uh, entire car was filled with smoke. I could smell the burning leather. I could smell the burning flash. And I, I knew, you know, I, I was going to start on fire very soon because I couldn't breathe. I could feel my lungs burning. Motorists arrived on the scene and quickly began rescue efforts to get them out of their burning car. They stopped their car and ran up to our car, which was now engulfed in smoke and flames. They began praying as soon as they came upon the wreckage, and they moved into action almost as quickly. They were doing everything they could spiritually to help rescue us. However God's will was going to play out, they were there involved in it. I remember um, leaning up and looking at all these people lined up, and they were, they were hysterical. And I remember even locking eyes with a woman. The car doors were jammed shut. One man pulled on the driver's side door frame until the glass finally broke out. The window then shattered into a thousand pieces and just kind of fell away. I was literally on fire at that point. My face, my head, my, my right side, my right arm, my right leg was, they were all burning. And so I pulled myself out and they came over and grabbed me and took me over on, on the median in the grass and rolled me out and put the fire out that way. In the meantime, Tracy was trapped in the car. She could feel her face burning. And at that point, at that point she was convinced she was going to die. I realized this is it. You know, I'm leaving. And so I prayed. I prayed. I said prayers I never even knew were in my mind. I said, Father, I pray that you forgive me for my sins. You said you have many mansions in heaven. And I pray there's one for me. And I said, please don't let me burn to death. And then um, I looked up, and there he was. When I say he, it was a person who I knew wasn't of this world. It was a heaven-sent person. 
in an angelic form. And at that point, he just lifted me up, and I went with him. He pulled me out, and we started getting further away from the accident site. At that point, I know I left my body. I know I did. He told me I could look back if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. And the further we got away from the accident site, the more peace I felt, such peace. And the love, the love um, can't be explained. We're too finite in our words. It can't be explained in human terms. The love like you were going home. There was no pain, no regret, only anticipation. The only thing that mattered is my relationship with Christ. And I felt like I was in the arms of, of God, of, of Jesus Christ himself. Tracy says as they ascended into heaven, she saw her grandmother who died when Tracy was a little girl. And I was so thrilled to see her, and she was so thrilled to see me. She knew me, and I knew her right away. And I started to go towards her, and I stopped. And I said, Megan, and that's our oldest daughter, who was um, nine months old at the time. And I said, I have to go back. I mean, I knew I was going to see the face of God. I knew it. And, um, but I couldn't let Megan grow up alone. And we started going down. And this was just the opposite of going up. It was hard. It was cold. It was fast. And it was painful coming back. She says her spirit returned to her broken and burned body. At the same time, rescuers saw a man walk out of the woods and up to the car. And they saw him come closer and closer to the car. And he appeared to have a glow about him. And at the same time, there was another man who was behind all of this going on. He was praying fervently for our rescue and our recovery. And he said, just as the angel came upon the scene, he was buckled to his knees because he felt the healing power of Jesus Christ so intensely that it just overpowered and overwhelmed him. One of the rescuers, that's when he was able to free Tracy. And that's when he said, she was just as light as a feather. She just essentially popped right out in his hands. As the angel was there, he bent over her and he put his hands over her face. He took his hands and I knew he was healing me. And he said, Tracy, everything's gonna be all right. He healed me. He turned and looked and locked eyes with one man in particular. And very slowly and deliberately, he said, Take care of Tracy. Nobody knew our names at that point. Tracy's purse was in the car burned up. She was pulled unconscious from the car. I, I, I had not been speaking her name. Tracy had not spoken her name. So for him to know her name, it could only have been heaven sent. The man turned and walked back into the woods. Soon after, emergency workers arrived on the scene and transported Dan and Tracy to nearby hospitals. The next several months were filled with pain and difficulties as they recovered from multiple fractures and Dan's severely burned body. But Tracy says the presence and peace of God was with her when she prayed. That, that sustained me. I could feel peace from head to my toe when I would pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It worked better than any pharmaceutical out there, <laughs> and it really did. And the peace, again, I would be prayed to be filled with peace. In their book, Angels in the Fire, Dan and Tracy recount how God has used the crash to show his presence in their lives. They say they are thankful they've been given a second chance in life 
even in difficult times. I just recognize the fact that God is with me every day, through everything, the littlest decisions. You know, he's there. God was there for us. Jesus Christ was there for us. He gave us, a, he gave Tracy in particular a healing. He's used what happened to us for many other things. We do have a lot of joy in our lives. Not always happiness, not always thrilled at some of the challenges we faced, but the joy of Christ is always with us. I don't know why I was saved, but he, for some reason, thought I was worth saving. I'm very thankful for that. I really am. We'll be right back after this. Hello again. This is The Watchman. Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's the Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. We return now to part two of our special broadcast with two more NDEs. They called a code and they come running in. I was above my body. I could see them doing chest compressions. I could see them, all the nurses around. I could smell the most beautiful flowers I've ever smelled. And then I heard music. When I opened my eyes, I knew where I was. I knew I was in heaven. In 2019, Charlotte Holmes was having a routine checkup with her cardiologist when her blood pressure spiked to 234 over 134. My heart doctor said, you're not going home. We're going to put you in the hospital. We've got to get that blood pressure down. It's got to come down. You're in, a, you're in a, having another stroke or you're going to have a heart attack. They put me in a room and started an IV just to, you know, try to get that blood pressure down. Charlotte's husband, Danny, stayed with her while the hospital staff tended to her. Immediately, you know, they call this code and they, everybody started rushing in. They just started working on her. And uh, my feelings was, you know, I thought, well, I'm wondering if I'm even going to be able to bring her home. Charlotte began describing things to Danny. She started talking about the flowers. Well, I looked around and I knew there was no flowers in that room. That's when I knew she was not in this world when that was going on. Charlotte's heart stopped. For the next 11 minutes, she was clinically dead. I was above my body. I could see Danny standing in the corner. He had backed up. I could see them, all the nurses around. Then I opened my eyes. I looked around at the beauty. I could see the trees. I could see the grass. And everything was swaying with the music. Because everything in heaven worships God. I can't convey to you what heaven looked like because it's so above what we could even imagine a million times. Charlotte says she was led into heaven by angels. There's no fear. It's, it's like pure joy. When the angels takes over, there's no fear. When you're going home, it's pure joy. She says she then began to recognize deceased family members. I seen my mom. I seen my dad. I seen my sister. I seen 
family members standing behind. I seen saints of old. See, they didn't look old. They didn't look sick. None of them wore glasses. They looked like they were in their 30s. But yet it says in the scriptures, we will be known as we were known. I knew them there in their new bodies. They looked wonderful. What Charlotte saw after that, however, shocked her. Standing behind my mom and dad was a light so bright. I couldn't look upon it. I mean, it was so bright. But I knew, I knew it was my Heavenly Father. I seen a toddler. And that toddler, I couldn't understand. And I can remember thinking, who is this? And I heard my father say to me, my Heavenly Father say to me, it's your child. Um, I lost that child. I was five and a half months pregnant. I can remember them holding the baby up and saying, Charlotte, it's a boy. Then he was gone. So when I seen this toddler, I said, God, how is that possible? He says, they continue to grow in heaven, but there's no time. It's eternity. So 48 years, and here my child, our child, is a toddler. Then God chose to show her one more thing. God took me to the edge of hell. And I looked down, and the smell, and then rotten flesh. That's what it smelled like, and, and screams. After seeing the beauty of heaven, the contrast to seeing hell is almost unbearable. And he says, I show you this to tell you. If some of them do not change their ways, this is where they shall reside. I heard my father say, you have time to go back and share. As quickly as she had gone to heaven, Charlotte's spirit came back. I felt myself being drawn into my body. I felt the pain where I hadn't felt pain. I felt the sorrow. Danny said that they come running in and they, your eye blinked. And he said, I knew then I was gonna get to bring you home. Charlotte made a full recovery and was released from the hospital after two weeks. She has been sharing her story since then in public appearances and with everyone she comes in contact with. People need hope. They wanna know that there really is something out there. They wanna know that everything's okay. I have been privileged to bring people to Christ as he asked me to do. All the authority that he had, he has given to us in the name of Jesus Christ, not because of who we are. God promises us. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you but he's gone to prepare us a place. Heaven is more than you can imagine. I can look you square in the eye and tell you for sure, heaven is real. In the dream, I was driving in my car and I came upon this accident scene that had to do with semi-trucks. And so when I started waking up out of the dream, I was like, I could feel it was a dream from the Lord and I felt burdened. And so I began to pray right away. March of 2000, two months after Cheryl Schulke's dramatic dream, her sister Valerie Paters was in a freeway pileup near her home in Flagstaff, Arizona. Valerie's car was crushed under the weight of a semi-truck, and it took first responders several hours to extract her from the vehicle. A mutual friend was on the scene and got word to Cheryl that Valerie was unconscious and not expected to survive. We hung up the phone 
And the minute we hung up, I started praying. I said, God, how do you want me to pray for Valerie? And he said, pray that she will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Those words from Psalm 118, verse 17, gave Cheryl hope as she prayed for her sister's life. It stirred my faith to believe that the impossible was possible already before I even saw her. So when I did see her, I was not moved by what I saw in the hospital because I didn't even recognize her. But what moved me was the Word of God. A prayer chain quickly started as word spread through their church community. But when Cheryl got to the hospital, doctors gave her a grim report. They pretty much told us she had, you know, we had no hope that she was probably not going to make it. There was no brain activity. Um, they kept her on life support to harvest her organs. Cheryl would not give up. She gathered friends and continued praying for Valerie to wake from her coma. I want those that I have already prayed with or one in spirit that will believe God's word and we're going to go to war and we're going to pray over Valerie. And so we took a time one day, I think it was on a Wednesday, we went into the chapel and we took over the chapel and the chapel became like a war room. We went in there and we just began to speak life over her. We prayed over her. Their prayers continued for days, but there were no visible signs of improvement. Meanwhile, Valerie was experiencing a very different reality in heaven. When I stepped into heaven, I mean, I, I hit the light and I was literally blinded by the light. I'm blinded still today of the light of his presence. I stood up, I turned around and there was Jesus. And I don't know if I, I ran to him or he came to me. I mean, all of a sudden we were there. He just smiled at me and I felt all this emotion that he had for me. I finally felt like I, I was home. It was like I stepped into, finally I belonged. This is where I belonged. This, I was home. Valerie had been a Christian for most of her life, but says she never believed that God really loved her. In my heart of hearts, I did not believe that I was worthy of his love because I always felt like I was never gonna measure up to what I thought the Lord wanted from me. So when I felt his emotion, I felt how he felt about me, and the things that I, I thought about myself, like my flaws or my, my issues, he never even noticed. He just wants me. It wasn't anything that I, I did for him. It wasn't my performance, nothing. It was, it was just me. I wasn't just loved by him, but he was in love with me. And I was his, I, that was it. I was done for. <laughs> and I, I thought, ah. but then realizing this is how he feels about his creation. Those that he's created, whether they know him yet or not, this is how he feels. Valerie says she felt like she was there for a thousand years and experienced life and love like she never had on earth. Then, Jesus told her she had to go back with a message. He said, you can stay if you want to. And I said, well, if I can stay, I'm staying with you. I'm going to stay with you. And he said, but your purpose isn't done. And he said, 
I want you to tell them, tell the people who I am, who I really am. Because I thought he was, you know, religious. I thought he was mean. I thought he was, um, I didn't think he was, you know, human. And he, he's human. He'll always be human, but he's God. I didn't want to leave him. I hated leaving, but I had to come back. And the next thing I knew, I was making like my descent back to the earth. At the hospital days after the accident, the medical team began reacting to new signs of life. And the doctor's checking, he's flashing the light in her eyes and, and he, he looks at me and he said, get ready, I think your sister's coming back. I see some brain activity. I, I just began to rejoice, rejoice. And I said, thank you, Lord. Valerie soon woke up and experienced a miraculous recovery. Two and a half months after the accident, she walked out of the hospital, healed both physically and spiritually. I, I know who I really am. And so when I had to deal with, you know, coming back with the suffering, um, my, my time with the Lord is what carried me through my recovery. While Valerie was in heaven getting a revelation of the love of Jesus, I was on earth getting a revelation of the love of Jesus. There's a love that I've been experiencing, Jesus' love that I'd never experienced before as a Christian. Cheryl and Valerie look back on their experience amazed and thankful for the answered prayers and love they each received in their time of need. I was worth the price they paid. That blew me away. We are worth the price that he paid for us. It was the power of prayer to see God bring forth a miracle. Believe the word of the Lord, stand on his word, get a scripture, and stand on that word, and, and continue to pray no matter how bad it looks. Even when the doctors give you the bad report, believe in the report of the Lord, which is a good report, and stand in faith believing for your miracle. And I know God will give them a miracle. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us on our new video channel called Encounters from Beyond the Veil. It's the same exciting content as our audio podcast, but in a shorter, but yet a video format. Also, please subscribe so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's Encounters from Beyond the Veil, exclusively found on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Also give us a like. We welcome any comments or suggestions you might have. We also ask you to subscribe so that you will be notified of all our future episodes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall 
Podcast. 